0: Welcome everyone again to the Elm City Vineyard. So glad that you guys are here. So glad to start Lent with you. Just an encouragement. One, thanks Kim. That was an awesome story and she texted that story to me yesterday. I was like, you've got to tell that story. I feel like there's just things going on in our community that are worth sharing. Uh, Whether it's, you know, last week, kind of our extended time of worship, whether it's, you know, things that are in your home group or in your lives. If you have stories to share, I just encourage you, like, tell people. It doesn't have to be like up here, but just tell people what's going on. There's a verse at the end of the Bible in Revelation that says, we defeat the work of the enemy by the power of the blood, the blood of Jesus, and the word of our testimony, our story. So if you ever have a story that you want to share, again, just tell a home group leader, tell someone on staff. You could email stories at elmcityvineyard.org. But I just want you to encourage you. Uh, stories are part of how we share like, what's good. It's part of how we share uh, our faith like, and pass on these things that God's teaching us. So, Thanks, Kim, for doing that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known, so I appreciate you for that. Ooh, Will encourage, except oh, so, Will, thank you. Now another story. Will encourage. Claps for Will. Woo! There we go. So I have a, a story, or several, to share. Um, the first is to share a story of this person that some of you might know. Uh, her name is Heidi Baker. Uh, Some of you guys maybe have read a book of hers, have, you know, heard a talk from her. But she's a missionary to Mozambique. And one of the things that's really amazing about her is she's known to do the impossible, to be a part of impossible stories, whether that's seeing people who uh, need education, who need resources, find resources happen, you know, time after time after time through different work and development, different things that are going on, or things that seem a little bit more miraculous, like healing, even healing of blind eyes, healing of different conditions. Um, which there's some amazing stories there, even people that have documented, like, wait, I think there's something that happens. That like developed a thing called PIP, you know, personal intercessory prayer. And they're like, let's like decide, like, how do we scientifically study this? And they're like, yeah, like things happen. Like there's some like some range. It wasn't Heidi Baker's study, it was someone else coming in. Or even things that seem crazy like food multiplication. Like, this woman just says, like, there's abundance in God. And if there's abundance in God, shouldn't we be seeing it sometimes? That's her story. That's what she does. And she's been saying yes to Jesus and encouraging other people to do that. But more than um, those stories, I think she's really known for love, for her focus on love, a kind of radical love, love that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And crucially, that love is not just a a thing, but love's a person. Love is this person, Jesus. A person we see model this amazing child-heavenly parent relationship. Jesus calling out to his heavenly father. And here's a quote, uh, it's kind of long, about the power of being childlike. I want to read for you. This is Heidi Baker's quote. It's very important to stay low and remember to stand on daddy's feet so we don't keep on trying to do things in our own strength. Some of us are strong and resourceful, tenacious and resilient. We can do a lot of stuff, despite that our abilities are not the way forward in God's kingdom. Life in God's kingdom demands childlike faith. It demands radical dependency on God. Wherever I travel in the world, I often invite children to pray for people, for situations, for healing, for anything. I especially do this when I'm traveling in first world nations like the U.S. or different European countries. And I do this in a place where adults have outgrown the sense that God still moves in the miraculous, where they find childlike faith hard to grasp. I find that the younger children are, the more they believe, the more they are prepared to trust God implicitly, They have not yet learned to rationalize God. They have not yet learned to put God in a box or imagined limits on God's abilities. They just believe. And Father responds to their faith. I always make sure we have children as part of our prayer and ministry teams in Mozambique. My Land Rover is constantly jammed full of kids. They are the ministry team on all our outreaches. They see God do miracles and answer to their prayers. Amazing things happen when kids pray. The power of God comes. The father hears and responds. It's hard to let go when we are capable, but we need to learn radical dependency. We need to acknowledge that God is so much stronger than we are in every possible way. As we lay down our abilities and surrender to Jesus, God responds to our faith. As we depend on God like little kids, God delights in answering our prayers, constantly surprising us with love and grace. Sounds pretty good, right? I just want to pause there for a little bit to see if there's any maybe desire people have about that, or to leave room for maybe some needs you have to say, okay, sounds good, Josh, but is that really life? Or maybe even for a question or two you have. What's stirring as you hear that?" I really am drawn to those words, and I have been before hearing stories or testimonies from her. So when I saw that uh, she was stateside, I jumped at a chance to visit, uh, to go to where she was speaking. And not only to go to myself, but I said, hey, I wanna invite my friends. I mean, I think this woman's got a lot of cool stuff Uh, and faith to share. So it's like, I'm going to invite some people to go along with me. And I didn't just uh, invite people that were, you know, from, you know, ECV or from the church, but it's people that actually had uh, had a hard time with the church recently. Like their, their faith in Jesus, um, I think was a bit more of a distant memory for them. But I felt like there was something when I was reading her, I felt like, I think my heart was warmed. Maybe theirs would be too. And I think maybe deep down they wanted more of that. So we were all there uh, to hear her. And so I uh, didn't see where they were, my friends in the crowd, but I I did see Heidi Baker because Heidi Baker was at the front of the sanctuary, a church she was visiting. And she got up uh, like I did to preach, but instead of getting up and just saying, hey, I'm Heidi Baker, she did something else. Something that kind of shocked me that was a little jarring. She just got on her knees she looked up, I'm guessing, like, to Father. Like, I don't think it was just the ceiling. I think it was, like, to God, right? And then she just started to not just speak in tongues, but sing in tongues. Now, some of you might know, want to know, like, what singing in tongues or speaking in tongues is. It's something in, you know, uh, a letter called Corinthians. It's a spiritual gift, like an empowering of faith. And if you've heard this, whether it's your own private prayer language, maybe at ECV, or maybe through a movie that was making fun of speaking in tongues, let's be honest, there's some of those. It sounded kind of like that. Like, loud, exuberant, long. Because it didn't last like a minute, or like three minutes. This was almost like her tongues were like the opening act to like what she was doing, she's like, tongues, like, let's go. And then like, later she would speak, but we didn't know when later was, because it just like, kept going and going. At this point, I don't know where my friends are, but I'm like, I don't think they like, are gonna be this late, like, I think they're gonna see this, like, what are they gonna say? Don't remember, Katie Baker's still speaking or singing in tongues, and I'm thinking this, so I'm not singing along, I'm not speaking in tongues along, I'm just worrying, actually. Like, what are my friends going to say? Like, I haven't told them, like, about speaking in tongues. Like, I didn't know that was part of, like, what our friendship was. Like, I don't even know if they know what it is. Like, what's going on? And I, she's still on her knees, and I'm still sitting down, and I'm still worried and frustrated and a little anxious, and I don't know where my friends are, so I can't even, like, look at them and be horrified. I just have to be horrified without looking at them. I don't, I don't know where they are. And she's still singing in tongues. And that lasts for probably a few more minutes before she stops. And then afterwards, I found my friends. And she gave this like, really encouraging message, was really inspiring, but was I thinking about any of that? No. I was just sort of like, man, like let me have it. Okay, what's gonna happen? And they're like, wow, that was awesome. Like I was so encouraged and inspired. Like She's just so interesting. I'm like, really? this is crazy. Like They were just into it. And I realized that there was something that they received that I couldn't at all. Uh, With my friends, I was, before they said anything, like ashamed, embarrassed, like anxious because of like what they were going to say. And then afterwards, when they were like, this is awesome, I was ashamed, embarrassed for different reasons, right? My fear and anxiety came from an understandable place. I I wanted to make them feel comfortable, not to freak out, not to make judgments that, you know, I wouldn't like. But my fear and anxiety were just that, fear and anxiety that kept me from receiving much of anything from God. My friends, on the other hand, were open, were curious. Maybe it's because uh, they had some confidence in themselves to say, I can, like, judge and, you know, assess, like. I don't need someone to like, help me do that. I can, I can do that myself. Maybe it's because they actually had trust in me. Like, who knows? Or, like, Josh wouldn't like invite us as like, someone that was like super crazy or something. Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe because they had no problem receiving something weird. Because weird things happen all the time. And if we're honest, we're a little weird. And so they were just okay. Receiving something weird, but good. Maybe that's where we are right now. Because I think Lent is a little weird. 40 days to mark intentionality with our crucified Savior who said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. It's in the Bible. I'm not making that up. This isn't like a Twilight rewrite. It's, just, it's actually scripture. Sorry, that was too real for some people. <laughs> he invites us to share in a meal of bodily sacrifice this Savior who died as a common criminal just on a cross. For us, it might be an electric chair some kind of injection, a way of punishing a criminal. That's what Jesus did. It's pretty weird, but this is good because we're often not that intentional about our pursuit of Jesus. We can conveniently forget that our own Savior's life was marked by pain, suffering, and death. There's an invitation for us also to come and die. We often forget that we uh, have opportunities to sit next to a zealot to sit next to a tax collector, to sit next to a trader. We often don't want to do that. We push those opportunities aside. We avoid the meal, the community meal that joins us together as children before our Heavenly Father that Jesus says is Father who wants to give us good gifts. That's a meal that enters us into this story, this weird story, but a good story. And remember, Bill actually asked you guys, he said, say yes. We didn't plan this, right? But what were you saying yes to I think it's some of that weird story of ours, this Jesus that says, come and die, come and sacrifice, come join a meal with not just friends or neighbors, but even potential enemies. What good gift might God want to give this season, in this kind of strange, weird season where some of the weirdest parts of our faith are put on display? This le- I feel like God has an invitation for us, an invitation to slow down to rest, to get simple, to prioritize Jesus through simple habits, prayer, worship, giving, fasting, eating together, being together. And my sense is this will produce fertile ground in us. I'm not sure if you've been feeling lately in your own life or in your community life, even in this church life, that the ground is hard. Maybe your own spiritual ground is hard. Maybe the grounds of community here or other places are hard. And you're wanting to tend or be tended to. To have soil be fertile. For us to mature, to do hard things, to be courageous. And as a church, we've always had these opportunities in front of us. But I wonder if this is a new moment to consider them together. How do we live life together together? in the 21st century with busyness undermining almost every attempt at connection? How do we love our city well with its own contradictions and our own contradictions that threaten genuine connection at every turn? How do we love each other across ethnic differences when it is so much easier not to be connected, even if we have a hunch that we might be better together? How do we live sincerely and with joy when our convictions and practices around living in our gender, our practices around sex and sexuality can threaten healthy connection, healthy connection with others in the body, connection with God, connection with ourselves. And see, there's a key word here, a key word of connection. It's a beginning spot of relationship. Relationship. And being childlike doesn't mean these opportunities, even those callings for our community, for deeper connection, deeper growth, deeper maturity, that somehow they just go off the table because we're going to be childlike and not do hard, mature, courageous work. I don't think that's how it works. But rather, I think being childlike means we won't get to a place of security or contentment with things like fear and anxiety, but through another way. I wonder if we have to grow down, to go low, to be childlike in order for us to be near to Jesus, to receive a gift from Jesus that allows us to connect to one another, to connect to God's kingdom, and to connect to God. This is my hope during Lent, that the simplicity of just eating together, worshiping together, listening to one another, praying the same prayers together, can be a place where Jesus meets us afresh and anew and creates the fertile ground for hard maturing courageous work from a new place of love and curiosity not fear anxiety or isolation we're hoping to do that this series through something called walking with jesus just walking with jesus through the stories of the scriptures we're going to be mostly looking at mark 10 a bit of mark 11 and then on easter mark 16 that's what we're going to be doing just walking with jesus asking for his help hopefully holding his hand, being with us through it all. There's also an opportunity that we have to pray together. I just want to briefly share about this. You can find out more information on elmcityvineyard.org slash Lent. elmcityvineyard.org slash Lent. These are beautiful prayers that have been put together by the Elanders, Bill and Laney. Thank you all so much. Lucy, designing them beautifully, as always. Uh, we're in our morning times. We want to start with These prayers. So you can find them again at elmcityvineyard.org slash Lent. You'll have some copies of them next Sunday, or if you go to a home group, uh, you'll be, they'll be there to do morning prayers together. These are gifted words that will allow us to be praying the same prayers, though different people, different families and different places in Connecticut, to do a noontime examine as we ask the Lord, God, where have you been? Even just six, eight hours into my day, where are you, Jesus? Sometimes we do the examine at the end of the day. The challenge is actually start a little earlier. If you're missing God earlier, guess what? You have an opportunity to see God to get back in step. And then at night to do a Compline. This could be with your family. It could be by yourself. It could be with a home group you're a part of. To do a Compline service that's uh, this short. But it's a way to be in community. You've also heard other ways from Carissa, meals. There's obviously home group, practices of generosity. But this is our invitation. To pray together, to eat together, to walk together and to see what the Lord will do. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the gift that you have for us this Lent. God, be with us. Help us. Meet us. Change us. Unify us. Have your way. Amen. So again, any information you want that... This also has the links um, to the meals that Carissa was referencing, elmcityvineary.org slash Lent. I'm going to get to today's scripture. It's from Mark 10. If you know a little bit about Mark, you might have guessed what the scripture is. Let me read it for us. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but his disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the, ch- the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. One of the interesting things about all these passages is obviously the cross is in one part of the passage, right, in Mark. But actually, as we go through Mark 10 and even 11, you'll see things that feel like obstacles, obstacles to knowing Jesus fully. It's not the same obstacles that the disciples are putting in. It's actually our own obstacles that we say, well, we wouldn't want to be like children. There's things that I think God's going to challenge us in this series, ways that the cross might be that lowercase c for us. There's invitations to say, I choose that. Whatever the cross is of being childlike, hopefully we'll know more of what that is. So we're like, I want to be childlike, but there's a way that seems to be hard. So we'll be looking at some hard things, but we can walk with Jesus through them. I want to just look at three simple questions from this passage. What does it mean to be a child? What does the kingdom of God belonging to a kid mean? And do we want this blessing? Three simple questions in the rest of our time today. What does it mean to be like a child? In the ancient world, being a child was hard. You didn't have any kind of status. Status was huge. Who are you? Who are you connected to? Who can be connected to you? Who can get something from you? Children had almost none of that. They weren't connected to something of status. They didn't have that themselves. They were seen as people that often folks looked over. Their lives were marked by dependence to an adult. No sense of rights or protections. It wasn't like what we have now where kids are seen, obviously as part of how we do human rights. Like Kids are seen as full uh, people. Uh, back in that day, they were really marked by dependence, and it's interesting to look at this passage and say, "Oh, the kingdom of God is like children." And to say, "Well, okay, what's that? What's that like?" Maybe a few of you guys that uh, you know aren't parents. Maybe, "Oh, it's like innocence, like right? It's like marked by like innocence and purity." And f- for parents, I think we'd want to like nod along and say, "Yeah," like some, sometimes it is, but but not all the time. You know, I'd, be loved, I'd love to be relaxed, you know, when Joy or Zoe, my daughters, are silent. I'm not relaxed. I, I know what's happening. Something is being drawn on. Something is being torn apart. Food is being eaten that should not be eaten. Food that I want them to eat is not being touched at all. This is what's happening. But I, I wonder if there's something more than kind of innocence or purity, but it's connected to that, more of that dependence piece. Kids' ability to say what they need and to say it at almost any time, as loud as they can, to whoever they think is the safest person to tell that to, the person most likely to fulfill that need. Uh, one of my friends, who's the youngest member uh, in his family, happens to be that I'm the youngest member of my family too, was like, there's something about just being home, where you just kinda like get to be like a little kid again. This person is not under 18. I won't tell you what their age are, but they're like, it's really fun. And he's like, yeah, you just get to like say like what you need. And I'm like, uh-oh. Like, I'm that, am I like that? Joy's like that. And I was like, yeah, I think Joy's like that. And then we proceeded to have this little text exchange. Joy, I need help! Me, I'm in the blue, right? I'm, as you can see I'm feeling this conversation because I'm doing a little bit more. Joy, more! Joy, that hurts! Joy, I don't want to go to bed! Joy, snuggle me! My friend, I feel her so strongly sometimes. Like I, I resonate with that. Joy, daddy! And if you've been around my daughter, you know that's just like, if there's a need, she's going to say it. I mean, potty training was really fun, because she was just like, I need to use the potty! I'm like, I think it's working, I think she's being potty trained. Does she need to yell? I don't think she does, but hey. Kids are marked by this sense of dependence, but also a sense of communicating their need to someone. And even demonstrating how they feel secure in that relationship by shouting as loud as you can to that person. Because it means that that person loves them is listening and might, just might, say, I'll snuggle for two more minutes. Okay, Joy. Not that it's about that. Not, that's fictional, of course. Happiness is not exactly, necessarily the, the portion for a child, but a kind of contentment might be, especially when it looks like security with a loving parent. In Psalm 131, it says this. This is all of it, by the way. It's not, there's not more, it's just this. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up; my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is with me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and for forevermore. Or the message translation: God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be the king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet to the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart, like a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is a baby content. Wait, Israel, for God, wait with hope. Hope now, hope always. When we read scripture, one of the interesting things we can do is to say, does that feel like where we are? Does that feel like where we want to go? Or does that feel so far? Do we feel so hopeless? Does it feel like we'd need help to get there? When I look at that translation, specifically, my soul is a baby content, I can just say flat out, that's just not true right now. I would hope for, I I want it to be, but my soul isn't a baby content. But it seems good. Maybe for some of you that's the invitation. That's just definitely not true. But what if it could be? What if I could ask for that? What does the kingdom of God belonging to a kid mean? It's not just that we're kids. I don't think that's it. But somehow, as kids, we belong to something. We're a part of something. And what's the kingdom? In Romans, it has a great definition for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, right? Relationship with God and with others, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you were an early listener to Mark and you were listening to the gospel so far, I think you might say the kingdom looks like experiences of God's power people being fed who are hungry, people being uh, listened to, powerful teaching, wisdom, deliverance, this sense that God really moves and acts in the world. We belong to that, to that kind of peace, joy, and righteousness, but also that kind of activity of God's presence. Kids, kids who Jesus would say have a heavenly father. We don't just belong to the kingdom, the kingdom belongs to us because we're receiving an inheritance from connection, connection with God, our loving parent who wants us near even when other folks will try to obstruct our path, the disciples even, saying, no, Jesus doesn't have time for you. They're too small. They don't have status. They're messy. Jesus says, come. Come, little child. And more than saying, come, he says, the kingdom belongs to such like that. The kids that say who their father is, the kids that say what their needs are, they're a model, a model of deeper dependence, even more than those adult followers of Jesus that we can valorize so much and say, if only we could be like them. Jesus here says, no. Don't say that, not right now at least. Be like the kids, the ones who are stating their needs, who are coming for a blessing, who are bunched together. I don't know what they did for Jesus that day. I don't know where they woke up or went to sleep. I'm not sure how hard they followed, the way they served. But here it's clear that sacrifice is not greater than dependent, connected relationships. Sacrifice, service to God is not greater than dependent, connected relationship where you can say, Jesus, I need this. And we can look at so many of the stories of Jesus' life where power moves, where blessing flows, where healing and deliverance happen. It's not the person that woke up next to Jesus that was doing long nights and early mornings, serving hard. It's a woman that just touched the hem of his garment. It's a man that said, I want to see It's a person that just bowed low before Jesus, pouring out all the perfume. Those are the people who met Jesus with extravagance. The disciples just got the privilege to see it firsthand. A child will always be more connected than a servant, even a disciple. And we know sometimes our service is what brings us some trouble. What are you possibly connected to more than the ruler of the kingdom? Is it stress? or fear and anxiety like me in that earlier story? Is it pain of different kinds, even bodily pain? Emotional pain? Is it serving the rules of the kingdom instead of the king? Focusing on the system, not the person of Jesus, this person of love. Jesus picks on those people a lot, acting like you're serving the king when you're just following your own rules, maybe your own standards. The kingdom of God belongs to children. Are you experiencing kingdom belonging? Or are there deeper connections you have to something else that give you belonging somewhere else? Jesus has this offer. Come. Let me lay my hands on them. I'll bless them. I'll mark them. I'll tell them who they are. Last question. Do we want this blessing? This blessing that the kids get, do we want it? What was it? What did it mean? And I think it was a blessing of marking, of saying yes, a God yes over their life, of saying this God yes means you can speak the needs to Jesus and that Jesus will listen. A God yes that means, yes, you do belong. You're in. It's marked by this kind of closeness with Jesus. We can even look to the Psalms like, my soul feels like a calm child. It's marked by intimacy with Jesus. And we might wonder how we can connect, but I feel like in Lent we're actually rolling the carpet out. Meals with others. Prayer that you might do by yourself, but we're doing together corporately. Sundays. These ways we're trying to grow closer to Jesus. Closeness with Jesus and others that share the same status. Just kids. No more, no less. Just kids in God's kingdom. Apparently that's enough. John Wimber the founder of the Vineyard puts it this way. The ability to hear what God is saying, to see what God is doing, to move in the realm of the miraculous comes as an individual develops the same intimacy with and dependence upon the Father. How did Jesus do what he did? The answer is found in his relationship with the Father. How will we do the greater works in these which Jesus promised? By discovering the same relationship of intimacy, simplicity, and obedience. I want to close uh, with just a few stories. Uh, the first is there was a moment in my life a few years ago. Um, Jay Pathak, who's the national director of the Vineyard, um, he gave a talk. Um, this was before he had this position. He's just a local church pastor, and it was this talk of coming back to something that was familiar. Coming back to maybe a practice you had, where you felt intimately connected to God, remembering something you did that now you kind of feel silly that you did it. <laughs> maybe it was uh, uh, something that was a story that's almost like an embarrassment of like, wait, I did, I did that for God. I was considering that, and He was saying that there's something there, something simple something foolish. And he was challenging, remember what that was. And remember the place that that took you. And then just be aware, even if it's just for a moment, about how far we can get from those places with stress or anxiety, with just doing work, hard work, hard work, hard work, that can seem so right, but can get us so far from believing that we're children. And he gave this invitation. What if you just went back there? Perhaps it was just singing. Not just for minutes, but for hours. Maybe it was intentionally getting lost in the woods. I'm not using my GPS today. I I want to get lost. (laughs) That would feel good. Maybe it was writing and writing and writing. You're just pouring your heart out to God or thinking about what you're thankful for. Maybe it was yelling or screaming, getting quite loud, but presenting your needs as if someone heard you and you believe they heard you. What was it? And I I remember for me, as I thought about it, I could kind of know instantly what that place was. It was in graduate school with so many questions about what my life was going to be, so many questions about what was going on. And breaking open WLH was just a few blocks from here, because you could always pull it open and then it wouldn't work, and then you could pull it open again and you'd be in. It was amazing. Just this little code of how to get in again. And we would text, I mean, I think this was still with my Motorola Razor, which I used far too long, so I will not give you the year. T9, if you even remember what that is. Just like, hey, we're here. And people would come and we just worship. God together just singing and we felt better we felt connected we felt like God was with us and whatever crazy things were going on in our family or in school or dreams we had for the future I knew that was where yeah God was meeting me and where God was challenging me to be I wonder for you when you think about that what was that place maybe even if you're new to faith or if this is kind of a curious invitation, what could that place be as you hear? Is it singing? Is it writing? Is it walking? I wonder what it would mean for you to just be a little bit more like a child, even against all the resistance that might be coming up. What if you could just try? Because there's this invitation we have that we're all kids, that we all have low or no status kind of in the bigger scheme of things, that we're dependent And We can have a kind of contentment in that, even if there's not happiness are all the answers. We're all connected to the king, which means the kingdom belongs to us in a way that maybe we haven't imagined or maybe we need to come back to. I want to give us a few invitations and pray for us. We'll have a way of doing that. The worship team can come up. invitations are simple. Just a question of do you feel like a child? Maybe you feel like a servant? Question of who are you going to with your needs? Question about where is your dependence? Wonder what God is saying about those things. There's an invitation that can feel really hard, but I think is meant to be a joyful one. About confessing sin and repenting where you choose not to depend on God. Because that's part of the distinction between a kid serving and loving and being with their heavenly parent and not just a servant of something else. And if it's hard for you, try to imagine God as a kind and loving parent. And lastly, just ask the Lord for a blessing today, a blessing that would mark you as a kid. With our remaining time, we're gonna have some time of worship. I also want us to have a time of response. I just want you in whatever posture and whether it was something from worship earlier, You know, Bill said maybe your heart feels warm. Maybe it's a place of desire right now that you want to lean into this. Maybe it feels too good to be true. I want to ask whatever has been proclaimed. I want to ask for a demonstration of God's power and of God's love. So I want you to take a posture of a kid. That could be opening your palms if you're eager to receive. That could be just being aware as a kid. You're like, mm I think I need some things to get to a different place and just be honest with what those needs are and present them to God. Maybe for you, you're having maybe a hard time connecting because you're like, man, kid and parent, there's a lot of stuff that comes up for me there. I encourage you just to ask the Lord for help. Holy Spirit, would you come here today? Would this be a day where we get adopted in, maybe for the first time, or maybe in a deeper way, to God's kingdom and to God's family? Would you bring that spirit of adoption, God, that lets us be kids that just scream out our needs, knowing that we get listened to, we get heard? And God, if there's been other experiences we've had where we haven't felt adopted in, We felt like we've just had to work hard to earn something. We felt like our meaning came from what we could produce. Lord, I pray that you would give a spirit of confession and repentance so we could just be wiped clean of that and step into another way, a new way. Jesus, you say that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, these kids that you bless and that you mark. So would you mark these ones today? We're going to have a time of worship. We're going to have a time uh, where you just hear a few words that have come in, words that might be specifically for you, and we're going to have a time of prayer here, but I want you to look also right here. There's an altar, and if you want to come to the altar to confess anything, I want to invite you to actually physically take some steps to do that. You can do it in your seat, but I feel like there's power in just recognizing it. I just want to confess something to get right with God. Remember, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Or if you want to ask for a blessing, but you want to do it from a place of humility on your knees, you want to physically show that, I encourage you to, to get up and to move to this altar. There's also one right there. So we're going to have prayer. We're going to have space to do that. We're going to have some worship. I think Todd's going to come up for some additional words. Even right now, if you're a prayer minister, you can move to the side. And also, if you feel led to start your time of prayer, feel free. That can be part of our worship together. Thanks.